utilizing science and technology, I always add ancient practices as well as in- intuition to merge uh, and, and technological innovation to change the environment inside and outside of ourselves and or- ourselves and ourselves in order to live longer and, and better. You know, I want to be able to be mobile when I'm 80 years old. Welcome back. You're with Lauren Vaknin on the Reconditioned Podcast. And we're on a bit of a biohacking roll after last week's episode with Ben Greenfield. And this episode is about biohacking for women, women's health. But the episode is not just for women. So something that has really helped elevate mine and my husband's relationship is his interest in understanding women. So he's read so many of the books I've read about women's psyches and what women actually need. So that's psychologically, physically, sexually, and also about women's health. So if you're a man listening to this, there is nothing you can do more to honor the woman in your life than to fully understand her needs. So there will be more episodes this season that tackle all the different areas of honoring women from sexuality to intuition. And this one is about optimizing our health as women. So Kristen Weitzel is an expert in female biohacking. And I got to meet up with her in person again around the time of the Health Optimization Summit, just like with last week's episode with Ben Greenfield. And for me, it was about all the kind of information about intermittent fasting and keto and diet and fitness. And it's all the advice has always felt a bit off. Just that's how it felt for me. And that's because all the research was done on the men. It wasn't actually meant for us. So it was people like Kristen Whitesell that kind of looked at that and thought, right, well, how can we take all this biohacking information and make it really relevant for women? So in this episode, she breaks it down for us to be able to utilize these practices ourselves. So it really is a hugely expansive episode for so many reasons. She is the world's leading female biohacker. So she just has so much knowledge on everything to do with women's health and biohacking. And in other exciting news, as the Recondition Your Life Academy online course, the self-paced online course launches in a few weeks, this is perfect timing because Kristen is one of the three incredible guest teachers I have on the course offering a bonus lesson. And this one is all about how to optimize your health specifically for women, understanding your hormones and going really deep into how to live your life according to your hormones and not fighting them. So make sure you have your name on the waiting list for the course launch, because when it launches, enrollment will only be open for a few days and it won't be open again for a while. So head to laurenvacneen.co.uk forward slash academy and you can just click a little button there to join the waiting list and you will hear when the course is launched. It's very exciting stuff. This is the course you've been hearing about that I have been teaching live for a few years. It is now an online self-paced course that you can do yourself everything, everything that it took me 10 years plus to learn to get me to a state of wellness is in that course. And it is not just about health. Actually, physical health is the least of it, but it is all my life's work summed up into one place. So make sure to get your name on the waiting list, laurenvacneen.co.uk forward slash academy. Now in the lead up to the course launch, I am also going to be offering a free three-day live online training, and it's going to be hugely expansive and informative. So 
It's an online training that's also a challenge. So I'll be challenging you to in a bunch of exciting ways and I'll be teaching you amazing, incredible content that will literally change your life. There will be huge prizes available. So make sure to register for this challenge. The link for that will be in the show notes. Okay, so let's get on with the episode. And remember, again, if you enjoy the podcast, a beautiful way to show reciprocity or your thanks is to leave a lovely review on Spotify or iTunes and share with your friends. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Kristen Whitesell is the founder of Warrior Woman Mode and one of the world's leading female biohackers. Part of her gift to the world is to open people up to the physical and emotional expansion of breathwork through her Sherpa method. Kristen also hosts the Wellpower podcast, which blends biohacking and wellness. As a progressive voice, dynamic leader, an active biohacking proponent, she questions how far the human body can go and helps people take it there. Hi, we're in person. We are in person. We're here here in London in person in the executive lounge of the Hilton. So exciting. How unexpected. (laughs) Just like it was the most serendipitous thing that brought us together. So I'm I'm very grateful to be here with you in person. Yeah. So excited to talk to you Um, because I... So let's start here. There, we hear about biohacking a lot now, and there are a lot of biohackers, but I feel like so much of the information about biohacking is aimed towards men, or the research was done on men, and it's not really focused so much on women. And that is exactly where your expertise lies. So I'm really excited to kind of delve into that. You know, a lot of my listeners are women, um, women looking to optimize their health and their well-being. Um, but I always start here. What have you done today? so far to support your wellness (laughs) amazing I want to say I've slept which you know but um so uh we I'll just briefly tell the story that you already know because I think it's interesting and important to talk about um my partner his name is Freddie he's he is also a biohacker as I we spoke before the we started recording but he and I have a lot of conversation about the future of our wellness being what we take out of our bodies versus what we put in because there's so much toxicity in the world, right? Everyone, we can all behave and act in in whatever way we want and we can do all the right things, right? Quote unquote, right things. And we can biohack and we can add mitochondrial boosts and we still are exposed to environmental toxins and um, aflatoxins in our food and things like that. And uh, it's a piece of this in, in the travel that I've experienced is that we showed up here in London. We had booked a a place you and I were so excited to record. We didn't know. This is beautiful though. We're in this This executive lounge. So it's perfect. So we um, booked a little house we can record in a little flat and we went to that flat and literally we could see in the main bedroom on one corner of the wall from almost floor to ceiling, black mold visible. And at this point you start to understand mold in the world of mold exposure. And especially my partner is very, very, well researched on that because he's um, had some mold toxicity and exposure that was very bad in his uh, condo he owned in this in New York, and so immediately it was like you know you know that mold spores are airborne and we shouldn't be in this space. Um, the owner of the flat was like, but it's only in one room, <gasps> and it's like doesn't to me mean anything. It's just not safe, right? So we had to make this choice. And this is the first point I want to make about the whole what you take out of you and and managing your health is. There are things in our environment that we can see and maybe someone or maybe at, you know, 20 years old, I might have said, well, you know what, it's fine. We're just here for four or five days 
And the reality is it's not fine. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of make sure that we're mitigating things like that in our lives. So what I've done today and in the last, let's just say, 24 hours to biohack that, which is really interesting, is, um, you know, we landed. We didn't get much sleep on the plane. We uh, expected that we'd be able to sort of check into the place early at 9, 10, 10 o'clock in the morning, mold. We had to leave, navigate all of that, return keys, go through the whole process of working towards getting a refund, which the owner did not want to give us, and um, find a hotel on this busy weekend. And so grateful that we had that journey because we got to explore a little bit of London, but we were just, you know, and not just sleeping context a lot. for that. This is the weekend of the Health Optimization Summit, mm-hmm. which is what you're here for, and that's why it's so busy because we're right next to the Business Design Center where it's being held. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, um, so we found a hotel that was clean. You know, we came to the Hilton. Thank you, Hilton, <laughs> and um, got a room for at least the next couple nights, and then uh, immediately did we travel with a. We always travel with a lot of supplements and the things that we're going to be using. We travel with red light. I travel with my flex beam. Uh, we travel with amp coil and uh, a product line that we really love. It's called Cellcore, which is uh, great. Has uh, many, many great detox protocols, but it's really about cellular health and support, uh, like uh, one of our favorite brands. And so luckily enough, we had brought some binders and things like that. And so last night and this morning, um, Freddie sort of, if you think about a bar, uh, a bartender who's like making their own fancy cocktail, you know, over at the Savoy or whatever, <laughs> he's like doing that in our room with binders and, uh, my kind you of know, guy. <laughs> exactly. So we don't really drink so much, uh, but he made a cocktail that was like, a, he's like, I'm making an anti-mold cocktail, you know? And so we had that last night and this morning, we ran a couple journeys, mycotoxin journeys on the amp coil, a little red light. And then the biggest thing we did was we slept about 11 hours, which was what we really needed after two days of running around. Um, And I will also say that the biohack that I really appreciate is that last night we went out um, to see a show and getting out and being around music and vibration and really interesting uh, performances, especially coming off of all these years. It was the first time I'd been to anything that was, you know, West End's like Broadway. And so anything like that live in a couple of years and it just really you know to have a a laugh and have an exhale and spend time with people and get a little dressed up really felt really felt beautiful uh yeah it was a wonderful we saw cabaret uh the kick the kit kat club right that whole stylized theater in the round it was amazing so let's not forget about putting joy in our lives right which is sort of the biggest biohack that we can do I am so glad you said that. And this is where I noticed the difference between the male biohackers and the female biohackers. I'm not saying the male biohackers aren't going out there and having fun, but I feel like this is where the feminine energy comes in and understands that there is a balance between the biohacking in terms of the tracking and the statistics and the numbers and all the tracking and how much are you tracking? And and then also just understanding what your body, what your soul needs at that point. Mm. We had a big night out on Saturday night for my friend's 40th. And, you know, I tend to not drink. I tend to be quite teetotal, but sometimes let loose because it's that balance. And that is medicine for the soul as well. Just like laughter is medicine for the soul. So I'm Mm -hmm. so glad you said that. Hopefully we'll go into that a bit more. Um, you've just said a lot of things um, that the people <laughs> listening might know about and some people might know not know what app coil is and the flex beam and binders. So let's go into kind of first how you got into biohacking. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Let's get granular. What does biohacking actually mean? What yeah. is it to be a biohacker? Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I you know, I see this more and more in the UK, but especially with the female audience, that term biohacking for a very long time was, because it's been around now, coined in the dictionary in 2008, I think, 
but um was the, it dave asprey that actually dave asprey coined, coined it, yeah. it yeah so it's like you have to go back to the beginning of biohacking right it was all of these it was guys from the tech world or like endurance athletes like ben greenfield and all of them doing things that felt a bit let's just say maybe scandalous or risky and i think as women just genetically and again this is a generalization but when i speak about women because the world is filled with all different styles of people and all different um, feelings and fluidity that when i speak about women and this is always something i like to be clear about i'm talking about physiological females so cisgender females born with that physiology but quite often we have some uh, genetic makeup that makes us be a little bit more risk averse and that is you know because we're like looking and taking in and considering neurologically you know neuro our neurochemistry is to take in the, the whole group the tribe the community and yeah. say what's best for for the entire landscape of people that are in my community and so i think we're that maybe that's my mm. theory is that maybe uh, contributing to why we are a little bit more risk averse yeah. generally speaking is that nurture uh, yeah. quality that we have that's the feminine energy yeah, like, and it also, if if we die, the babies don't make it, you know, right. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I think we saw a lot of this stuff in the beginning too. It was like red light therapy on my balls and injections and all these things that the men were doing, and it was just felt like, what is that? And it's a bit of a boys' club, and all of that's fine, but it took a little bit, it took a few years, and I've been doing, you know, been biohacking for like pushing twelve plus years, like under that term, right? Probably longer with my yoga history, but I. I was one of the only women in the beginning. You know, there was p people floating around like Jolene Brighton and, um, you know, Stacey Sims, although she was not considering herself a biohacker at all. She's definitely more of a women's health and performance researcher. Uh, but she really is at her base, a biohacker. So that term came in and the term essentially, uh, you know, Dave would probably say it is, uh, you know, utilizing science and technology. I always add ancient practices as well as in intuition to merge uh, and, and technological innovation to change the environment inside and outside of ourselves and or ourselves and ourselves in order to live longer and, and better. You know, I want to be able to be mobile when I'm 80 years old. I want to be able to like, you know, play with my niece and nephew and, and travel and do all the things I love. And in order to do that, I'm going to, you know, hack my system, hack my biology. And that word hack is pretty uh, can be off-putting for some people. And I think that, that it was didn't feel approachable for females for a number of years for, the, for a couple of those reasons. And I continue to use the term biohacking. I use it, um, warrior woman mode is my handle on social. It is my programming um, that I run for women specifically. It's like, what mode are we in? We're in warrior woman mode. To me, that is a balance of strong and strength and sensitivity. Uh, Men typically will say, oh, I don't love the name of your business, which is ironic to me because that, to me, it just is like you can be a soft, subtle, beautiful warrior as well as a strong badass. And I think men see it like a feminist platform. That's specifically sort of how they speak to me about it, but I never meant it to feel that way. And um, and I think warrior woman mode is like a good mode to be in, right? It's like a, to know how to, you know, protect and provide for yourself and be autonomous and all of that at the same time that we can. Um, bring more joy and more more joy and intuition to to everything that we do. So the biohacking term was off-putting. I, I imagine, and I've seen that sort of with females as I've traveled around the world, saying, "Well, what is it? And how do I do it?" And you know, my podcast is called Well Power, and the tagline is "Your Biohacking Roadmap" because I don't want to lose the word. 
many people don't like it, especially when I'm talking to performance athletes, CrossFitters, they're, you know, people who've been in that space, optimizing their physical fitness for a very long time. They're like, ugh, that word is, we've been doing that. It's human performance. It's not, what's a biohacking? It's bullshit, you know? And that's really polarizing and interesting that the men in the communities are like having a, you know, a strong opinion about it, which they're allowed to. But I think it's an important word to embrace. And I think as women, uh, female biohackers, what have you, we need to be able to do it for our own, for our own physiology, which is the point you made in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, like I think also maybe in the UK, it's, it's not as prevalent as in the US and people are a bit put off by the term. Mm. For us, we tend to stick to kind of health optimization. I just like to call it life optimization. But the reason that biohacking specifically speaks to me, and like you, I try to use the word a bit more, maybe more so over the last couple of years, is because when people ask me kind of like, you know, what are the things you're doing and why do you do, like we just renovated our house. And one of my um, people don't understand the things I compromised on, the things I didn't compromise on. So like I got a secondhand couch, mm-hmm. um, but we spent fortune on getting um, blue light free light bulbs mm-hmm. for the whole house. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so when people ask, like, you know, are you really high maintenance? I'm like, well, there's my secondhand couch, but there's my yeah. light bulbs that cost God knows how much to do the whole house in. But the reason being for me, and I think you kind of just said this as well, is that the world is super toxic and... I don't want to always be focusing on that also because I'm putting that energy out and I don't want to, you know, walk around with that vibration of the world's harming me. But we have technology now that in one way is harming us, but we can use that technology also to counter or mitigate the effects of, say, you know, EMFs, Wi-Fi, uh, 5G, all of that. And we can actually use technology to mitigate that. So for me, that's kind of what biohacking is as well. Um, from my perspective but yeah. so let's go into like what it is you do specifically in your work and how you help women yeah uh so my work is sort of twofold the podcast is a a big passion of mine because i love to meet people like you i love to um share stories and learn right it's a big education platform and then share those stories with a larger and broader audience but the work that i do specifically that focuses on women through warrior woman mode is Um, really specific to uh, nutrition, fitness, and then biohacking, biohacking being the massive umbrella and finding the areas of a woman's life that are not optimized and understanding that the research is very different when it comes to men and women. Um, Of course, there's, uh, we're still lax in in the areas of, of researching women on most of these fronts, but just working to understand and learn from the best people and researchers in the world to bring what is current in the research and what is is what are the innovations and what are we starting to understand more and more about female physiology and that's sort of coupled with this other piece which is women showing up um you know the the long story short is i was a fitness trainer globally for a, a format in the states that came out of america and i traveled all over the world and i would go and in the beginning of these trainings this was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for me shifting everything that i was doing in the world and making it to what i do now there, I would go to these cities around the world and have women introduce themselves. And, and in the beginning of the training, right, you're just going to do an intro so everyone can hear about, you know, where'd you come from? What's your, you know, reason that you're here? Where are you teaching other classes? And, and what, you know, what's your intention? And I started, let's say the trainings were 90% female because it just sort of fit with the format I was teaching. And I just 
a year in, I started to really realize like every city I go to, there are women introducing themselves apologetically mm-hmm. and with a bit of shame and a bit of uh, and lack of self-worth and in some cases even a little bit of self-hatred. And I just couldn't, I like couldn't stand it anymore. And we're supposed to spend like, you know, 20 minutes on intros. And I said, you know, I'm going to beg for forgiveness later and I'm going to sort of shift the platform in the morning and spend an hour, an hour and a half max, but like an hour, a good solid hour if I need to on intros. And, you know, I've, I've been training people for a very long time. So just, you know, making sure they're getting all the other information they're required to get, but spending a little more time in introductions and having them um, giving them some reframes in the morning, right? It was a little ballsy thing to do, but I was also like, I can't watch this anymore. And I always would dig into their social medias. I had all their names and stuff before, and I would look at their things and make a joke that I was stalking them when I got into the classroom. And I would, and I would, in some cases, say, "Oh, thank you so much for introducing yourself. Would you mind if I introduce you now?" Oh wow! And I would reintroduce them in a different way, in a more lighthearted way, in a more in depth, or you know, let them not just be represented by. And it's not that it's not beautiful. You have children and all of that. Like saying, "Well, I'm a wife and I'm a mother, and all of that is important." And men don't do that in the room. Men get up and say, "I'm Johnny. I'm amazing." They give themselves more credit than probably they're even due, and that's fine. We all should have. It's not about ego so much. It's about confidence. Mm And so the long story short, which is too late for that, is really about after seeing that for, you know, eight months plus, I just couldn't, I knew that there was an issue. I knew that there was a gap and that the gap and that was probably correlated to some of the health of the the women that were there was about mental well-being and was about confidence and was about understanding their real self-worth and the fact that they were different from each other wasn't something to be shunned. It was something to be celebrated that they had their own unique capacity. You know, I have a sign over my bathroom door when I walk out in the morning because I think the worst times we are to ourselves is in the mirror. And I look in the mirror and I walk out the bathroom door and it says, you are effing magic. And it's just a reminder, like we don't, no matter like you have a pimple that day or you feel like you don't fit in your jeans as well or none of that shit matters. What really matters first and foremost is that we are loving up on ourselves. And for whatever reason, I find that much more prevalent in the female space. And that was the, you know, the catalyst to me finally like retiring from that and all the other work I was doing in health and well-being and saying, okay, I'm going to do my whole whole entire other thing. Um, you know, like w- stepping out on the entrepreneurial journey that I've been on for the last, you know, six years or something. And that that felt good because now I've been able to really help women in a, in a more holistic way. And it gives me a platform to be more firm and I would say I'm firm and fair and fun (laughs) as a coach because I want women to know what's up and I want to call, I want women to call me out on my bullshit. And so I'm, I'm so sweetly, kindly happy to call them out on theirs and say, this isn't like, let me tell you what I see, you know, and that's really important. And so we, we play in the space of nutrition and fitness and biohacking. It's very customized. Um, I started working with women and three month programs and now I work with them. Uh, I work with women exclusively for a year at a clip. So we get the most transformation we have. I get to know them very well. I can only carry a small load of clients, which is beautiful for me because I get to know them and their families and we get to really understand each other. And, and the better that I know them, the more, the more gains that we can make, right? The more grace that we can have. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in there, I know, but that's that's the game for me. It's like not I want women that I work with for a year to be able to walk away without having to do 
like they've I've taught them how to fish and they're having they're not having to do eons more of work on themselves like yes they can continue the journey will always ex- explore more for them and growth and all of that but I want to walk away having them affect their communities right having them know and have enough education about their health and well-being and as you can imagine the women I'm working with are super dedicated to shifting their their body their brain and their being and okay. so at the end of the year they're like but I'm do you out. get women that want to work with you and then you go, but hey, you've got to work with me for a year and you've got to be committed and this is what's involved and then they go, uh-uh, uh, no. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I take, look, I get on, I'll get on the phone with any female that wants to talk about how she wants to change her experience and I do work with a, like a professional athlete or two that are you know, specifically in a training camp or something so I will customize a program and a timing for that because that's a different thing. But I, this year long course, this year long program, it's called, I call it their frontier year that that. has, that's born out of what's needed from clients I've worked with in the past who have worked with me for a three month program and then come back later to work three months more to get some more after a little break. And they're like, this is where I won. And this is where I sort of had some challenges and we need to adjust and I want more time with you. And so it's just, it's born out of its own thing. And so it's just grown. And that's, uh, yeah, of course. People call me and say, I want to work with you and I only want to do two months. And it's like, great, you're saying you want to have change. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we commit to something? Yeah. You know, that's like long term and also be in each other's lives. It's like mm-hmm. dating, you know, I have to say that on all the calls. I'm like, this is like, you know, a good therapist or a good doctor or a good some, you know, you want to have a coach that is going to be long term in your life that you can resonate with. And like, as everyone I work with like me all the time, it's not my job. Yeah, oh, like, that's what I'm I always so, I always say, I'm not listen. here to make you comfortable, I'm here to help you heal. Okay, so one of the challenges I hear from you guys the most is how hard it is to drop into meditation or even to relax and just feel calm. And you know I speak a lot here about how our bodies have not evolved to manage the level of stress we're faced with today, which means we're constantly in fight or flight mode with our sympathetic nervous systems always activated, which we know leads to depression and anxiety and also chronic health problems. If we want to be well, we have to find ways to mitigate this. We have to do that ourselves. And I believe in merging natural daily practices with the kind of health tech that enables us to counter and mitigate the challenges that modern life throws at us. And the Sensate is one of those products and I wanna tell you about it. So the Sensate is a small palm-sized device that sends infrasonic waves through the chest in order to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system, which is the body's command center. Together with the specially composed hemispheric audio within the app, you will literally feel calmer after only a short session. I give this to anyone I'm with if I have it on me, which I usually do, and everyone has the same response. It's amazing and I already feel less stressed and where can I get one? Now I'm particularly recommending the Sensate to anyone who suffers from anxiety and wants to help calm the nervous system, those who want to deepen their meditation practice, and people who are looking for ways to be calmer and more grounded. Now most of you know I work with a shaman and he has taught me that our higher intelligence places ideas of health technology in the minds of those who can create and invent these products. And I truly believe this to be the case with things like the Aura Ring, the Soma Vedic, even diagnostic devices in hospital. For me, I believe that to be true with the Sensate. 
state. We have lived for too long in a high stress state. We need more to help us counter that. So you can get 20 pounds off the Sensate by visiting getsensate.com. That's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E.com and using the code Lauren20. That's getsensate.com and the code Lauren20. Thank you to Sensate for partnering with Reconditioned. And now back to the episode. I used to say you want friends, go to summer camp, but it sounds very cutthroat. And so it's like, I it's not that I don't, I'm, I befriend the women I work with. I love them, you know, I, the ones that have gone through my, the container of my, of my longer term programs. I'm, I'm close to them. I check in on them, yeah. you know, randomly all the time. And uh, I just, I think that's a beautiful way to explore, but it's like, there's a relationship there, you know? Absolutely. It's important. And compassion for that as well, for the women who don't feel like they can commit because I feel like we live in that kind of world where everything's so fast paced and people want a pill for every ill and things to be healed mm. overnight. Like, just give me a quick fix. I just want a quick fix. Yeah. Um, compassion for that. And also, you know, guidance right here that, you know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we want something to truly heal, it's a journey. And, and part of the healing is the journey and is the learning within the journey. So it's actually a really beautiful process. I love that you do that for a yeah. year. And the year also gives an opportunity to people to not have to swallow the pie whole, right. which is not sustainable. You know, women will say, but oh, we can do it all in three months. And it's like, we can do a lot. I know I've had some big transformations, but mostly it's like layering too much change and depatterning things in a short period of time. And this way over a year, we can sort of pace it in. I work with a lot of big time executive women that have 40 plus employees and, you know, a personal assistant and an executive role and all of these things and doing charity work and, and juggling a family. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I am weaving myself into their life. It's like a process for me as well, because there is, they are rightly so busy doing big things in the world. And so we have to, we have to make it snackable. Yeah. Which is a lovely segue into let's talk about food. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with fasting. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on fasting, intermittent fasting. Should women be doing it? How should women be doing it? What's the best way for mm. us to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I learned about fasting, especially in the early days, was through uh, Dr. Mindy Pels. So I want to give her a shout out. I always like to shout out the shoulders of giants that I stand on. Um, and I have some real specific, I'm very conservative on fasting for women. Mm. I think, uh, the first thing I, I, the very first thing I always like lean on, is like, what's going on with your hormone profile. Mm. And that's the most important thing almost in all seg segments. If I'm putting someone through cold exposure, if I'm putting someone through anything that's going to create stress on the body, I want to know what's going on in their hormone profile. It's something that is pretty out of whack with a lot of females now, mm -hmm. um, a lot of like estrogen dominant women out there from our environment and uh, tons of women like going through early perimenopause that I have conversations with so and many. having those conversations are important. Uh, I just had a dinner at a big event weekend in Austin recently and I had 35 women come and we had a big dinner and I said, look, you don't have to talk about anything at dinner that was like formal. We've been doing a lot of talking about wellness, like have it, we're having a social night, no activities planned. But I really want to, uh, there's one one thing I want to put out there as a must do for dinner. I was like, any woman who's in their reproductive years, any woman who's still bleeding at dinner is like, is like in, has their period regularly and is all, you know, going through all of that relatively normally has to find a woman who's no longer, who like perimenopause or menopausal and anyone who is no longer having their cycle and in menopausal years needs to find someone who is 
like going through the regular emotions of like having a period or maybe hormone dysfunction, what have you. And I need you to have a 10 minute conversation about your, just what's going on in your menstrual life and in your menstrual cycle of life, meaning, you know, how menopause was for you because nobody, when I was young, no one talked about it. And, um, yeah. And like more and more women came to me and I had to go to specialists to kind of get the, the insight, insight, you know, research and read and learn a lot because I was like, what is this all about? And why are we not talking about it? And so I think those conversations need to happen more often. Um, but that's just builds back to hormones. So looking at hormone profile and then saying, okay, how do we fast? How do we fast around, um, based off of that? <clears throat> Let's say we have a relatively regular hormone, um, situation. I um I think it's great to fast on your period. Um, oh, you do. Yeah, that's a big piece of Mindy's work. Uh, talking about that's sort of the time that we are. Look, we're not like males, but we're most like males. It's the easiest time for us to fast because we have less hunger cravings, and um, not for everyone, right? The, let's the, the the number one thing to say here is I'm not a medical doctor. Okay, I've done shit tons of research, and I've spent a lot of time with experts in this field that maybe medical doctors don't even in their specialization, which is how the world works more often now. It's, you know, in their specialization, they may not be even talking about this or aware of the research because there are specialists, but, or, and, so I'm not a medical doctor and you need to do what's right for you, right? You need to have some of your own intuition and you need to understand your own bio-individuality as a female. So, hey, what's going on in your blood work, you know, may or may not preclude this. But I think that there is uh, a great opportunity to fast a little bit more uh, or just do your fasting all around your period if that's comfortable for you. And then also I'm a conservative faster in the sense of it can dysregulate your hormones in some way. So I'm very much like, at six, you know, everyone talks about 16-8. I think 16-8 fasting as an intermittent fast was designed for men. Yeah. I, um, Dave Asprey writes about it in Fast This Way. His book uh, talks a little bit about females and he's beautifully, I had him on my podcast and just beautifully puts it you know, like maybe intermittent fasting or those longer fasts are like a good thing for a woman to do every other day, you know? And, and the big thing here is, yes, as we get into menopausal years, we can fast a bit more um, easily. But during our reproductive years, it's something we have to keep an eye on. This is a stressor on the body, right? And this is the same that will hold true if we're talking about food and in, in, in the keto world, right? Women are just going ketogenic. I don't know about here now, but in the United States, but still women are going ketogenically crazy and just being like, I'm going to keto. And it's like, I am absolutely, I'm pretty opposed, pretty strongly opposed to doing keto all the time. Cycling keto is great. There's a lot of opportunities to work with the body. And then, and then overall, like just Dan Garner is my own of my big nutrition mentors and he really, we talk a lot about, you know, absolutist thinking is just trash. Like when someone's like, I only eat carnivore and that's the only, it's like, cool, that's cool for you. But bio-individuality and choices and autonomy to eat in ways that make your body feel good is important. And like, I don't know what you see in the people that you're working with, but I also, I want to say this other thing to women that are listening right now, that's really important, which is when it comes to food, when it comes to fasting and understanding what we're doing it for context you know if it's just to lose weight lose body fat i never say lose weight really but lose body fat as fast as possible that may not be like the healthiest choice it may be something that the mirror and society is reflecting to you and a shame dynamic and also um you know when i was coming up as a yoga teacher i worked with this the handel group and they talk a lot about the chicken and the brat and i've really adopted this into my work which is on one shoulder it's all people but women specifically right let's just speak about females we have a chicken and we have a brat 
So we know cerebrally, like, hey, I want to fast, or hey, I want to eat this thing or not eat this thing. How am I functioning around food? Uh, this is, holds true for ice baths as well. Uh, it holds true for fasting in some in some cases. The chicken is the part of you that's like, oh, I'm a little afraid of that, and it feels a little bit like, is this safe? And I don't. It's a little bit of that risk check in. And the brat is the I don't wanna. Uh, well, I don't wanna, or I don't really have to because yesterday I fasted, or yesterday I did an ice plunge, or I don't really, I'm on my period, so I don't feel like going in the cold, or um, I just felt intuitively, Kristen, like I had to eat that whole pizza, like it just really, and I know we're like making kind of, yeah, yeah, like we're making fun of it in some way, but just really checking in, like what is intuition, and what we really are feeling, and and getting, uh, doing some self-inquiry around that, knowing yourself, knowing your your ethos, your, your values, and doing some check-in on your body to be able to say, is this, is this really intuition? Is this really I'm um, sticking to a plan that I made this commitment being in integrity? Is this the chicken or is this the brat? Right? I have to just um, stop you there just to, to open that up a little bit mm-hmm. um, because such a big part of what I do in my work mm-hmm. is pushing women past their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. And just this week on my course, a woman who um, has been... I guess has come to the healing a little bit slower just because she was in this stage of thinking, well, there's only one thing I have to heal and everything else is healed and I'm fine. Just coming to this realization that actually, oh, no, there is a lot of work to do. And what was happening was she was coming to me and saying, yeah, but my intuition said that this isn't right. My intuition says I need to do it like this. And what I was trying, one of my gifts is really I read energy and and. Mm. Uh, you know, I never used to understand that that's what I was doing mm-hmm. and why I could feel or or totally intuit what someone else, someone else's kind of whole, everything, all their, their challenges and baggage. But I try not to tell it to them, like that's what you're doing, but mm-hmm. to facilitate the healing that will enable them to come to it. And I said to her, but is this your gut or is this what's comfortable? And I need you to go away and sit with that in the silence without this ego self that is telling, that is trying to keep everything in check because what I need from you right now is I need you to crumble. I need that whole facade to come crumbling down so you can see your authentic self mm-hmm. so that you then learn how to really tap into your intuition because what you're telling me now feels like your gut. That's what's comfortable for you. Mm. So you think it's your gut because you've spent your whole life listening to that part of you, but that's your ego self talking. And I want us to get to your intuition. Yeah. You know, and that's not to say, you know, I work with an, an amazing shaman and he always teaches me that we have compassion for the ego, the tanar, like the ego is the, um, like the transition place between the 3D and the 5D. So we need that to help us function mm-hmm. in this world that we inhabit, that we are have incarnated in at the moment. We need it. We have to have compassion for it. We have to understand it, but it can't lead the way all the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad you went there because I think right now for anyone listening to this, especially women, women have the gift, the sacred gift of intuition that's been gifted to us as that feminine energy. We have an innate access to that. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, really go into that and, and, and maybe take a moment to journal about where you are um, being led by comfort as opposed to intuition. So I'm sorry I, I interrupted there. No, I just thought it's that great. Was, it's it makes me good... understand your coaching too, which is like a very good coaches, I think, are asking the right questions, mm-hmm. not telling people what to do, right? And it's, it's we are here to facilitate and that just means reveal right. what right. people already have as this like inner knowing 
you know, this part of them that's like, it's already there. This is like this old adage, right? Everything you have is already inside of you. And then people are like, yeah, 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 everything. Just tell me to breathe, whatever. I got to yeah, go yeah. <laughs> do my do my big executive role and I don't have time for that shit. But the reality is that's the truth. It's like uh, my job as a coach, your job as a coach is to ask the right questions and to just hold up a mirror to people, mm-hmm. to, to let them see their true selves. And that's, um, so that's like beautiful. It's not an interruption. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to talk about. Good. Thank you. So, um, so we've kind of touched on fasting there. So you, so fasting really should come from the intuition. Is there a specific like one size fits all with fasting you would say? Like maybe don't do more than a certain amount of hours if you are a woman. I don't think there's a one size fits all. You know, I think it's easier to fast on your period. I think it's uh, it's the, the, the time I don't, I, I tell my clients I never want them fasting the week leading up to their cycle, the, to their menstrual period. Um, I, I, Look, you want to put a 16-8 in? Cool. Just like vary it, you know, vary the stress. A muscle resp- responds best when you vary the stress. It's just, you know, I, I want uh, I want women to fast in a way that feels like you're giving yourself a minimum effective dose, as with so many things. And so what's your min- minimum effective dose? You know, how does that how does that play into it? And when you're breaking a fast, I think a lot of us are breaking a fast with, you know big meals and all that like it's just there's ways to break a fast and like have an avocado and like slow roll yourself into it instead of starving yourself out for so many hours or fasting for so long that you're like i'm gonna go have a huge you know yeah, yeah. a big so english breakfast <laughs> yeah oh god english breakfast welcome to england yeah <laughs> um let's go there what's the best way to break a fast I mean, I, I tell people to break a fast with a bit of fat a bit, a bit of healthy fats and um you know, I'm a protein queen. Like this is the number one thing I like preach. Oh, this number one is hard to say. It's all priorities, but I, I preach a lot about eating a lot, a substantial amount of protein as a female, especially as we age. And I preach a lot about lifting heavy things um, in the gym. Or That doesn't just mean like bands and cardio, it's lifting heavy mm. weights. Um, but uh, so I just say that because it's like, I think the first meal, you know, breaking a fast, your first meal, having some really healthy fats and maybe some veg and, and just something that feels like your body is readjusting to eating again. Uh, and then, you know, layering in some things that are easier to digest. You know, I may, have, I may have my second meal as like a protein shake if I'm weaving protein back in, but I'm like certainly not going out with like a crazy big high protein dinner or something. Um, and it's not always perfect, you know, sometimes you have an event or something coming up Mm. and so you do the thing you have to do, but, um, but yeah, I want people to know they're, that they are bio individual and they Mm. get to autonomously decide. And a fast is really about giving your body time to rest and have autophagy maybe kick in. And, you know, all of us are thinking like, I just fast for X number of hours, or if I eat keto for two days, I'm automatically in ketosis that none of that is true. None of that's true. Even for me, and I was like, I, I always was like, I pop back into ketosis, no problem. When I'm cycling keto, no, it takes my body four full days, right? You know, and you're testing that. that. I'm, I'm, I'm like finger pricking yeah. to be able to test it. Yeah, always. I'd, I'd love to know just because we're here. What does a day look like for your typical day if you're home? Like obviously, you're traveling now. It's a bit different. Yeah. What does a day look like for you in terms of food? I eat a lot of protein. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know exactly, uh, yeah, like yeah, from yeah. The, you know when you wake up to when you go uh, to bed. I do what's a lot in lips? the morning. I do a lot of uh, my partner. We do bulletproof coffee in the morning. It's it's always like a harder thing to find when you're on the road, and and we've been known to travel with like our little stirrer and like 
or go to the Whole Foods and get all the stuff or, you know, planet, can I make planet you, organic. Can I make you laugh mm-hmm. with that? Because I have my Bulletproof coffee and coffee is a fairly new thing for me because as I was working on my healing, it wasn't, caffeine just wasn't something mm-hmm. felt intuitively right. My adrenals needed to, needed to just be very uh, stable. And I've recently in the last year or so introduced a bit of caffeine and I don't have it every day and that's kind of my, and I don't have it on the first few days of my bleed, um, but I'm a massive Bulletproof fan. Um, and when I, a couple of days a week, I work from this co-working space that I go to. It's a really cool, funky place. And I love it there. And, <laughs> but they can't, I take my Bulletproof with me in a little jar and I ask them to put it through the machine and it never comes out right because, you know, it's got, I, I use a cafetiere at home. Yeah. So I got this thing like, uh, how do you explain it? Like a tea strainer, but it close it closes, so it just keeps the coffee in, and you just dunk it in the hot water, and and I just leave it there. So yeah. I was walking around, and the barman in this place who knows me really well was walking around, like waiting for it to brew, so I could empty the coffee into the bin. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Why is there a massive safety pin in your cup?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm brewing my bulletproof." And he was like, "Only you, only you, with my little thing of MCT oil that I'm putting in." I know. So it's so funny what we have to take with us when we're being so conscious of. Well, and I just said yesterday, I feel like that Bulletproof Coffee has grown popular enough. If you own a coffee shop and you're listening to this, can you please add it to your menu? I don't think you're allowed to call it Bulletproof Coffee because it's trademark, but just one place in in, uh, Colorado calls it crack coffee, (laughs) you know, butter coffee, whatever, like whatever, you know, or use ghee if you feel more comfortable with that. But like, yeah, getting that. I love a Bulletproof Coffee in the morning. Um, On the caffeine subject, I tested really... The thing that I'm always um, challenged with in a beautiful way because I get to do this work and I'm so grateful for is being on the go a lot and juggling a lot of things. And so my cortisol number is something I'm always having to watch out for. Mm. It's pretty high on the HPA axis. And so I today I just had a full caffeinated coffee, Americano. Um, but it's not, it's probably 11 weeks now or something. I've been on pretty exclusively or closely like a couple of times someone has brought me a coffee at an event or something and I'm like okay I'll have the caffeine because it's a little moment but um, I've been on decaf bulletproof which is just it's sort of like it's always a little like tender (laughs) <laughs> that I'm like, oh, I can tell the difference. It just doesn't taste as robust. It's That's like what a my really husband does, yeah. But decaf bulletproof works. I also will do cacao tea. Yes, there's a little bit of caffeine in that, mm-hmm. but I'll do a bulletproof cacao tea, which I love. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sort of like a healthy, fatty, hot chocolate. You know, it's not yeah. it's not sugary in any way, but um, so I'll do that. Um, so a lot of me getting some fats in. I do it with collagen, gives you a little bit of protein and uh, people would argue that breaks a fast and that's cool. I don't care. I'm not trying to be like fasting. I'm just trying to get something in. And then uh, I start eating maybe 11 and I'll have like two to three meals and two to three snacks. And sometimes the snacks are just like we have something called an Epic Bar. I'm sure you guys have something like that here. Uh, Yeah, like in the airport, I literally walked around the entire airport yesterday because we didn't do a great job of packing snacks for the flight. We don't like to eat on the plane um and so i i found a place that had this um no sugar grass-fed um biltong i love biltong at the airport they had grass-fed biltong yeah i like had to walk <laughs> walk 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 and look 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 and it's always like dig it up but yeah they did it's wow. a, i'm in, in austin it's like you know it's uh, trying right. it's trying to be la <laughs> and so yeah so they had that and I, I bought the last three bags that were in the in the place um not cheap, but this is like another thing, right? You got to get high quality food for a high quality body, mm-hmm. best you can afford. And so, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll eat a lot of protein. I always have a protein shake. 
Um, it's, uh, look, I have clients in, in the UK. It's like hard. I don't know about walking into the stores. Like you talked about Planet Organic, but I, and when it comes to like shipping and, and Amazon and all that, it's really hard to find a good protein shake. Mm. So I have a protein shake at least once in the day um, using like Keon or I'm using Paleo Pro. Those are my brands in the States. Here, uh, it's, it's been a little bit more challenging to find one with no sugar. Yeah, it is here. I use, I'd love to know your views on this and to get your opinion on it. I use a bone broth powder mm-hmm. quite a lot. Yeah. Um, if it's if I'm not using collagen peptides, like we've got really some really good brands of like just collagen peptides. But in terms of like protein shake powders, yeah. a lot of them have some sort of sugar, whatever yeah. it is, which I don't want to put in my smoothie in the morning. I want to have have it completely sugar free. Yeah. Like for those. And I'm okay that, if there's like monk fruit or erythritol or something that you, your body can handle. Like I'm okay with any of those like sugar alcohols or things that don't process the same way. But yeah, there's sugar corn syrup solids or some crap they're like you know cane sugar even which is like what are you trying to do fake me out it's not faking me out it's still sugar yeah so what do you think about like bone broth powders are they will they work in the same way as that giving me the protein yeah look i'm down for it i just got to read the package see Mm -hmm. how much you're having and uh i'm uh, look all of this is going to be kilograms so i'm going to get it super wrong and uh i want to say it's 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram that's what i think the translation is but don't, i may be wrong it's really what i what i stick with and push women on to make it easy in the states and this is pounds is like one gram of protein per pound of body weight right it's a lot of protein for most women it's probably double what many women are having um when i make a protein shake i used to push for like 20 25 grams of protein now i put oh. 30 in mine wow Okay. And so it's like a scoop and a half or like what I have at home is I have a nose to tail protein powder um, from a company called Paleo Pro. That's like very carnivore vibe and it's 10 grams for a scoop. And I will mix a scoop of that with a scoop of the 20 to 25 gram protein. Mm-hmm. It is uh, if you're using a great brand, it's a great source of protein. And then I will have that protein shake around my workout within like 45 minutes of my workout or I will have it in the evening when I feel like oh, I want a treat or something that feels like a shake, a milkshake or, a, you know, it's obviously... It's a healthy version, but that chocolate or vanilla, that mm. vibe, maybe I might put a little blueberries in it or half a banana or something. And then it just sort of feels like more like a dessert. Yeah. And then I'm getting that protein. And, and that's like, look, we, the more and more research comes around females, the more we see that it's like, as we age, we even need more. Mm. And that's just it. Mm-hmm. And so, if it, you know, I, I talking about like leucine and all of these things that are, that are co- compromised, that are comprised in proteins. It's like, we need to get you know, 25 to 30 grams of protein a meal if we can, uh, as we age, pushing that number to closer towards 40. And that, look, uh, there'll be people that listen to this that think, maybe some people are like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but, um, and that's fine. It's just like, this is the big question when it comes to, to protein and food. I know this is about like what I eat in a day, but this is the most important thing because I'm going to eat things that I like to eat, lots of colors. I don't eat any crap really. From time to time, we have a, a brand called Natamu that is like dairy-free, low sugar ice cream, quote unquote. It's like a nice treat. And I'm very much not about, a che- I never use the phrase cheat meal. People yeah. use that a lot. I say you can have a treat meal. You can. It's about the celebration. If I go to someone's house, I don't eat gluten. I'm, I eat pretty paleo and keto cycle those two things, but I will have some, some, you know, a treat from time to time. But if I go to someone's house and they're like, they are cooking or they're like grandma's recipe or grandma's cooking like a lasagna. I'm, I don't have a gluten intolerance. And so I'm going to sit down and eat. And those the brain chemistry that's going to be created by eating a community and having the joy of a home-cooked meal that like blood, sweat, and tears went into is far outweighs 
me being like, I don't eat gluten. I'm not just not going to show up. I am so on that vibe. Like that is exactly how it intuitively feels for me. I don't have a gluten intolerance. I'm not intolerant to anything. And like we keep saying about balance, like there is so much medicine and actually just eating in a community and being, you know, gifted that that food that someone has put their heart into when they're cooking it. And it's about the vibration. And yeah, I, I'm so... Yeah, and if like yeah. you're gonna have a whole, if you're gonna home make a batch of cookies with your kid and 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 eat it all, like <laughs> eat it all with the glorious deliciousness. Right. Don't eat any of it with like the shame or the like repression that comes. Of, like this is specifically men and women, but specifically for women. Yeah, the guilt. If you're gonna go have the treat, then have the treat and yeah. enjoy it fully. And let it nourish your soul. Like oh, that's the yeah. thing. Like if you're not eating McDonald's every day, so thereby you're not nourishing your body. Like if it is something that is a treat. Let it nourish your soul because the energy behind that is going to then nourish you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I want to say to like the, the, the women who are like, I'll just have the, the smallest piece of chocolate cake. Mm. Fuck that. Just have, <laughs> just in that moment, if you're making that decision, then yeah. like languish in it, have that piece of cake, have yeah. a, a, a decent slice and don't feel like there's something that's gonna you know shift i mean you know a lot of times i'll say if you're gonna eat one cookie eat them all <laughs> just because it's like the way the body's gonna respond and it's mm-hmm. they're gonna pop you out of ketosis or you're like gonna have an insulin hit or <laughs> like you glucose well spike just yeah. have it you know and i know that that's like not perfect advice but it's just because i don't know all the cookies could be a hundred that's not great for you either but you know have something that's gonna feel satiating and feel you know, like a treat when you, when you need to. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway, just back to the day, I like it's protein is my number one focus and yeah. I'm putting healthy vegetables and I'm putting fruits. Sometimes I eat a lot of berries. I eat a lot in this mindset of paleo. It doesn't mean you have to, I think also carbs are not good to vilify. Um, and I have spent time in my life where I sort of, like I'm coaching one way and the inside I'm like still socialized to feel like, Oh, carbs aren't great, but like they are great for you. The fittest I've been in my life is when I'm I think this is an important distinction with carbohydrates. When you're flanking your workouts with carbohydrates, it's the uh-huh. fittest I've been. Again, I know my genealogy. I know, yeah. like, I know my genetics. I know all my testing. I have seen in the end of one experiment when I put like drinking liquid. Dan Garner when he's working with me. I was like, you train me like a professional athlete or don't train me at all. And he's like, okay, great. I'm not doing keto with you and you're going to um, drink these liquid carbohydrates before and after your workout. And I was like, on the inside, I was like, oh, this is beyond, like, I don't know if I can work. Like, he was, like, not wanting to work with me if I wanted to cycle keto in, and I was not wanting to work with him because he was making, he was like, you're going to drink liquid carbs for four months. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> um, and I will tell you this, my muscles up to, up took those carbohydrates, like, nobody's business, but because I'm eating fully healthfully around it and I'm working out and carbs are not the devil. Mm-hmm. And uh, that resource, that macronutrient was, like, my body just, like, lapped it up yeah. and loved it. And what I, carbs are you eating? Right now in my life, uh, normally I'm eating white rice is my carbohydrate or sweet potato. White rice is more a little bit more like a treat. I try to stay away from grain entirely, but I do love sushi. And so um, there's <laughs> That's that. That's my treat. That's my yeah. thing. And I just, we go all out with sushi. Yeah. And of. sweet potato. Uh, and I, I also know if we're from wearing like a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, that um, I, if I have to mix carbs with protein and I... Um, I don't really eat heavy carb load meals for dinner. It's like lunch is my biggest carb load of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and mostly that it's my biggest carb loads around when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's it's 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 feeding the body what it needs and the nutrition and the 
fuel source that it needs around training. Mm. And if you're lifting heavy things in the way that you should be, should, the, the infamous should, in the way that makes sense for a female, then, um, then yeah, carbohydrates are going to serve that. Let's go there then. You know, I've heard you talking about this before and, and, and it's been something that I have been told my whole life. You know, mm. you need to, especially when I was trying to recover from the arthritis, you need to be weight bearing, you need to be weight, you know, and that was really hard for me then. Now I do lift weights and do a lot of strength training, but you are, this is like your thing, you are, this is your area of expertise, one of your areas of expertise. How should women be trained? I mean, obviously, again, there's that personalized aspect, um, but what things should we be doing? What times of the month should we be doing it? How can we live? So how can we train and eat according to our cycle? Yeah, yeah, amazing. So... There's this magical little window in the middle of the month, and I talk about it a lot on podcasts, and for a little while, coming out of LA, I was known as like the day one bleed girl because I <laughs> sat in a room. I've told this story before, but it's like, it's so, it's important. I sat in a room in Los Angeles in a boutique fitness studio that was like um, cycling or spinning, whatever you call it here, and weightlifting, and had a hundred people in that room for this presentation on, um, it was really around like food and, and the underlying current was like, don't have shame around food. Like, let's talk about fueling our bodies well. And had a conversation about food and a bit of fitness. And there are a hundred, hundred so people in the room, probably four men and the rest females. And I sat up in the front of the room and started speaking. And then I said, oh, wait a second. I, um, I just want to like back out of this and fly at 10,000 feet just so like we're all on the same page, assuming that everyone in the room would be like, oh, yeah, 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 we got this part. Because again, I'm in a premier health market city, Los Angeles, inside a fitness studio with members. And so I said, so, you know, we're tracking our cycles and, you know, you know what cycle day you're on, right? And it's sort of like people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, they're just shy. And, you know, there's this period in your, um, in your monthly cycle where you can like, actually you have a, 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 the capacity to build like what research would show, let's just average it out around 30 to 35% more muscle, uh, maximal powers also in some of the research during this window of like eight to 10 days when, when you should be going hard lifting weights. And I was like, who knows about that? I just was like trying to get participation. Who knows about that? Not a hand up in the room, not a hand. And I was like, Okay, let's just go back to the cycle question. Who's tracking their cycle right now and knows what day they're on? As I, at that time, I was—I remember—I was like, I'm on day 21. There's like four hands in the room. Is anyone using a cycle tra- tracking app? Like half a dozen people, ten people max, out of a hundred women yeah. in this premier city in this yeah, I'm premier so studio. In and LA, I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's just be frank right now. Like, so everyone understands day one of their cycle. And, and there's, I'm like, okay, the first day you bleed is day one, day one bleed, ladies, day one bleed. And so that was like a funny thing where a couple of people were talking about it later on who were there. I was on their podcast or something and it was like day one bleed girl. But it's like day one, surely that was sort of designed by like men in white lab coats because I always feel like when I get my period, that's like the end of the cycle and I'm about to start anew. But like day, first day you bleed is day one, tracking your cycle. That's how I'm going to talk about this yeah. today. And so understanding your cycle, tracking it on an app, and there are apps out there. I use Clue. There's something called Wild AI, which is Stacey Sims, which is in beta, I think, still, but it's incredibly. Oh, Stacey Sims has an app for that? Yeah, Wild.ai. Okay. And so check you that can. Out. Also, my Aura Ring tracks my cycle now, um, which is all great. All of these things are possible. Just track it. I don't care if you do it in a notebook with a pencil, just track it. a calendar. And maybe if you have a partner, let the clue them in where you're at because that's super helpful and something not all women are doing um, for many, many reasons. Like, we can't. It's another podcast for another day, but like your whole sex life can be cycled around your cycle in a way that makes everyone feel good in the Absolutely. space. 
Um, I even think it's important for kids to understand, like, yeah. when I'm at a specific time in my cycle, to understand that I need a bit more space. Yeah, totally. And so there's these, there's a middle of this, say it's, a lot of times I'll say it's day 6 to 16, which is a 10-day window. It's probably shorter than that. But everyone's, every woman's cycle is a little bit different length. And so we have to kind of um, adjust for that if we're not testing or we don't know every day where we are, taking our body temperature, something like that. So in those days, that's the time to like lift heavy and eat a few more carbohydrates. Your muscles have the capacity to uptake more carbs and your, of course they do because it's also the best time for us as estrogen is on the rise to a spike. Um, seems to be that hundreds of studies, uh, the time that you can build more muscle. And so why not utilize estrogen as your superpower and say, awesome, let me lean into this. So day six to day 16, let's call it that for anyone. Eight days in there, I try to push women I work with to lift heavy shit and get to the gym and strength train and all of that. Um, we are least served by doing seven days a week of cardio, cardio bunnies, they call them in the States. Um, it's just like not serving us, not serving our longevity, our telomeres, our, uh, our cortisol, which by the way is high with many, many people and not serving our stress levels, which by the way, if you haven't noticed, there's a ton of mental un- un- unrest and people having challenges with depression and anxiety. Women are 40, are li- just women are more susceptible to anxiety and stress and depression than men. That's just genetically how we typically work. And so, and sleeplessness, all these things contributing to the overall um, dis-ease or dysregulation and, and unhappiness of females. And so how do we course correct that? And that means we need to know what our cycle is, know when we want to eat specific foods and train hard. And also when it's time to recover, because mm-hmm. you are only as fit as what you can recover from. And so all of that is really important. I love that. I think for some people, it's going to be like a mind blowing moment just listening to some of that. So Mm. thank you. I know you're massive on red light therapy. I'm also big on red light therapy, but I am not as clued up on it as you are. So I'd love you to go into that. Yeah. Uh, Red light therapy is, you know, I think there's some people still that think like, oh, this it's a red light bulb. What's it really going to do? But it's not, I mean, you can buy a red light bulb. It's not going to give you the exact same thing as red light therapy. Red light therapy is designed with specific wavelengths of life, light, life, life, mm-hmm. both light things. Light is life. <laughs> um, photobiomodulation. Sarah Turner is a very good friend of mine. She'll be at the summit this weekend. Uh, she's sort of the world's foremost researcher on red light therapy. Mm. So I always say photobiomodulation because that's <laughs> how she sounds when she says it, which is just a fancy word for all the colors in the spectrum of wavelengths of light and what they do to the body. Red light is a specific spectrum of wavelengths and we get a lot of it. Uh, we got a lot of it uh, back in the day, thousands of years ago. And even now we can get um, healthy red light and uh, especially for setting our circadian rhythm in the morning and in the, in the evening. So sun, sunrise and sunset really beautiful spectrum of red light that helps set our circadian rhythm uh, in there and get a lot of different types of light at those times of day. So I always think the first and foremost thing people should be doing is getting up and getting, you know, 10 minutes of light in their eyes outside of the house in the morning to help set them up. Best, best sleep you get starts with the best um, wake up and getting sunshine. And um, red light in general, like using things and devices we've brought into the home, right? It may feel like, well, is that really going to do anything? And the answer is yes, it does do things. We're playing in specific wavelengths, companies that are creating panels and the company who I, I love, you know, is called the Flex Beam, which is a portable targeted red light therapy device that you can wear and take on the go. That is a, um, it's a, 
it's wavelengths of light that are really helping the body heal and restore and recover. And so these panels, the diodes, the lights in them are, are made specifically to emit these, these wavelengths of light. And in some cases, like a panel I have at home is light path LED, which is a pulse, a pulsation rate, less research around pulse light. Although some of the research coming out is really interesting for supporting like brain and skin and the body in a, in a different way, because our eyes are this gateway to our brain. And so anything that we're taking in on our eyes can help our brain. But the, the, the oversimplification of red light is that your body's a battery and, you know, our cells are made up of electrons and um, an electrical charge. It's provable and, and in the science. And then um, the operating system of each cell, let's call that, or the powerhouse, the mitochondria. People will talk about the mighty mitochondria. And red light is um, stoking the fire of the mitochondria to work better for the cellular optimization that needs to happen. And the better our cells can talk to each other, the better our body can perform overall, which is a lot of times why you may see these claims, quote unquote, or, you know, red light therapy. And it's like a slew, a cascade of different things that you can benefit from, right? You know, less headaches and pain reduction and better sleep. And it's all coming because our mitochondrial health is being supported by the use of red light. Yeah. Um, and there's so many benefits to it, right? Like faster wound healing and yeah, I mean, skin, yes, and and also like even. yeah, and depending on what wavelengths you're playing in, and any company worth their salt is going to tell you what wavelengths of light are in their panel or in like the flex beam. Flex beam's running like the 680 to uh, shy of a thousand, and you know the different different settings on different units. Right, they're all there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, but there's different settings that you can set. The good news is if you're getting in front of red light or the, the important, the most important pro tip that I would share is most of the research is on red light that's within a, within like six inches or less of your skin. Mm -hmm. So we see on these on these beautiful websites you go to where a woman's just sprawled out on a couch <laughs> in her negligee and all the stuff and the red light panel's 10 feet, 20 feet away. What, are you, what do you say? Three meters away. It's, 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 it, it won't work. Yeah. There's something called the inverse square principle. It works. Uh, it's like sort of something we want to know about EMF and there's something we want to know about red light that it's like the closer you are to the thing, the more functional or dysfunctional it can be with, with non-native EMF, meaning you stand near their face in front of a microwave oven or your cell phone on your cheek, you're going to get EMF that we don't want that it's non-native. But speaking about red light, you want to be close to it in order to get the benefit. You have to be close. So mm -hmm. like, let's say six inches or closer. This is why flex beam is amazing because it's literally strapped on your skin and you charge it. So you don't have to be plugged into a wall, no mm -hmm. EMF. Um, so I love that about Flexbeam. I'm I travel with my Flexbeam everywhere I go. It's so easy to carry and take with you, which I can't fit my panel in my suitcase, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. And we'll put, I'll make sure to put all the details for Flexbeam in the show notes. And also we've been talking a lot about kind of uh, testing and keeping kind of up to date with our, uh, our biochemistry and all of that. So as you know, I work with a company called Omnos mm -hmm. um, and I run all my testing through them, hormones tests, genetics tests to know like, you know, what, exercise you should be doing specific things you should specifically avoid are your cortisol levels high so i'll put all the details for omnos in there as well um so you, you guys can um access any of this biohacking yeah. amazingness that we're talking about for sure for sure um one of the things i want to definitely go into before we wrap up is cold water therapy ice baths um you're big on this and breath work because you do both of them and i think that they definitely correspond since i've been doing cold water breathwork has had to be a massive part of that because yeah i had to overcome so much what i realized was both ancestral and past life trauma mm -hmm. with uh, cold water and i've been doing a lot of healing on that for the last three years mm. and finally got to type i was doing cold water um cold showers 
for a year and a half before I actually got into cold water, immersed mm-hmm. myself in mm-hmm. cold water. It's been a real journey for me. Again, it's like, this isn't, this was me going, this isn't my gut telling me it's not for you to do the cold water. That was the comfort and I had to push out of that comfort zone. Yeah. And in it to enable me to do that, it was breath work. So yeah. I'd love for you to go into that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for asking. It's a massive passion of mine. I really like this morning just going back to saying what did I do today that was like biohacking my health I like, took a hot shower and it was like great it wasn't even this morning it was like early afternoon it was like eleven fifteen, um just with all of the plane travel and everything so I got in the shower and it was like nice and hot and that felt good but when you come out it doesn't and I was right? like oh I don't know and then like I act the knobs are all different here right you know it's like a hotel it's the first like shower in the morning and I'm like oh, I love the knobs the rain shower I don't know what's going on <laughs> And then I like tipped the knob and it went cold. And I was like, oh, and I just went to go turn it back to hot. And then I, and as soon as I turned it back to hot, I was like, oh, no. I said out loud. I was like, oh, no, that was good. And like <laughs> I, I, my partner was like outside the door. and was like, what? And I was like, oh, cold. I'm doing cold. And it was just like super beautiful to do cold, which is like definitely something you have to adapt to. But yes. um, and also the water's really cold here, but it's certainly not like 34 degrees like my ice bath at home. So this is an overlooked low-hanging fruit and typically for the most part is free that we don't use anymore we're all conditioned to go from like the temperature controlled car to the temperature controlled house to the temperature controlled hotel or office or whatever and we we've lost this adaptation ability in many many cases and so um i run a company uh, this is a part of my business sort of but it's separate from warrior woman mode because separate from this like well power piece because it's it's men and women and this is benefits. There are differences for females with cold and with breath. Um, but there are, it's very important to know that for men and women, unless you have a really challenging case of diabetes or you have a pacemaker um, or you're newly pregnant and you haven't had any ice practice or temperature shift adaptation practice therapy before, um, it's pretty safe for most people to do. And cold water immersion or cold exposure or ice baths or ice swimming or uh, cold thermogenesis, whatever we call it, is a practice that uh, anybody can play and for typically relatively low cost or free because cold water you can find, especially here in the non-summer months, <laughs> and everyone has a cold shower. So how do we play in that space is is sort of like a choose your own adventure, right? If you want to start with cold showers. I, I Normally, I don't love a cold shower as much as I love immersing, immer- immersing myself in water. So let's just start with the most important piece of all of this, which is the breath. And I will try to be succinct with both of these pieces, but they work together. Um, The training that I lead, I do something called Sherpa Sessions, S-H-E-R-P-A. And Sherpa Sessions are like community sessions that I will hold and do that is breath. And we do a little tea or cacao and things in the beginning. And then we do breath and we do cold exposure, sometimes sauna if it's accessible. And I also... I'm in the UK right now, and if there's anyone listening to this that has a CrossFit gym or a wellness center or a biohacking space, I run, I just launched in January, Sherpa Breath and Cold. So SherpaBreathandCold.com is the website, but Sherpa Certified Instructor Training. Oh, wow. Because much like the work I do with women, I have an online course for Warrior Woman Mode, but that's a women's wellness optimization course, much like this that role, I have, I'm one person. And so what I want to do is, is the power of breath and the power of cold is, is 
the number one thing in my life that has created most effective and efficient change in my body. Really? So the power of breath and the power of cold and the fact that they're low-hanging fruit and very accessible and the most overlooked things that we possibly can do, so overlooked in, across humanity, men, women, children, everything, it's the number one effective and efficient biohack that I have ever had and applied to my body and many clients in the biohacking space. And I said it twice because it's that important. And I said it because it's easy to overlook, especially breath. Cause we're all like, yo, I'm breathing. It's fine. You know? And those tools to be shared, to be learned and to be shared with all of your communities will change the landscape. And that will be because it changes the landscape of stress and it changes the landscape of reactivity, right? The space between the stimulus and response we get to understand that more so that we can be more wonderful, more kind, more loving to ourselves and to others. And it's just a very, very important point. So the reason I'm saying I'm in London, if there's anyone who owns a gym or a wellness center is like, I have not yet booked. I booked just booked Toronto. I have some places across the United States. I've already done one or two of these trainings and um, they're phenomenal. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. It's because all of the people, the giants, the shoulders of giants I stand upon, like Patrick McEwen and XPT, which is Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, and all of my years of yoga training and all of my years of training people and educating them across the world has made it so that I am a very good facilitator of this. Mm-hmm. And people spend a weekend with me, two eight-hour days, and they lear- leave lear- becoming a safe, fun, and effective teacher of breathwork and coach of cold exposure. Mm-hmm. And those things are imperative to work into your communities especially if you're operating a wellness center or a sports performance center or a crossfit gym or any of that because you need to teach people how to breathe well breathe better and that's going to make them healthier and that's going to optimize their wellness and putting them in cold so i say that out loud because it's like you got to ask for the things you want which is like i want to come to london and, and do one of these sherpa breath and cold instructor trainings so that more people here can experience this and that other leaders can take it into their communities right i'm not here trying to say, I want to be the Kristen Weitzel method. I don't care about that. What I care about is that these practices live on, that these practices expand exponentially and quickly. And so just speaking about the breath quickly, because I like to give a tool, the best thing that you can do for yourself, it is not the only thing, and it doesn't mean we never should breathe out of our mouths, but the more you nasal breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, throughout the course of your day, calmly and easily, long and slow, deep nasal breathing, the better you will feel the better your body will respond to things. And why is that? It is because, great question. Um, The nose knows. The mouths are for eating and noses are for breathing. The nose um, limits the amount of air we can take in at one time, which helps us become more tolerant to CO2. I'll touch on that in a second. The nose filters the air, especially coming off of all this quarantine with all of this sort of fear that is being put through the media for us to be scared of disease and um, viruses and yada, yada. Let's, let's not get political. Let's not but go there, yeah. Let's not go there because it's just, that's a whole nother it's podcast. Whole other podcast. I've done a lot of them. I have a lot of podcast episodes on there. Um, and so it filters the air. So it's just to say, like, it's helping us stay healthier. It's how there's a natural filtration system in the nose. Doesn't exist in the mouth. Um, and uh, regulating temperature. Your nose does that better than your mouth. Your mouth doesn't really do that. And then producing nitric oxide. And mm. so breathing in out of the nose, nitric oxide is uh, something in the body, a molecule in the body that vasodilates us. It lowers our heart rate, our blood pressure. It's like, it opens the vascular system of the body. And so those are the nerdy reasons. You also are breathing into the lower lobes of the lungs more with the nose. And there's the gas exchange is happening more robustly in the lower lobes of the lungs. 
you can ask, why is that? And it's like, because we're standing upright. And so gravity has most of the blood in our bodies pooling in that area. So great. Love it. Um, that is an important piece, this nasal breathing thing. The, the part of that that's important to speak about that's like, this is nerdy science, so don't fall asleep on us right now, is there's a <laughs> gas exchange in the body. What you need to know is that the vehicle, the gateway, in order for oxygen to get from the blood into your tissues, your brain, your muscles, anything that's trying to recover, be focused, awake, feel well, the gas exchange that happens is between carbon dioxide and oxygen. We have to have enough carbon dioxide for the gas exchange to occur well. Of course, there's a curve. We inhale, we take in oxygen, we exhale, we exhale carbon dioxide, just as a science lesson for those of us who, of course, like, you know, that was many years ago we learned about that. But when we overbreathe, when we breathe out of our mouths too much, we're exhaling too much CO2, and our CO2 levels are slightly lower, which means we're not optimizing the oxygen uptake into our muscles, into our brain, into our body, into our being. And so we want to be able to nose breathe because it's a slower, easeful air, less CO2 is getting out so that we can actually have a gas exchange, which is oxygenating the system more. So breathing slowly, breathing deeply, breathing nasally can help us actually oxygenate our tissues better. We think many times from whatever reason that if we need oxygen or we need to wake up, we need to breathe faster. And that's not necessarily true can be true in, so, in the sense that our, it will make our nervous system state more alert, right? But if we want to oxygenate the tissues and be more focused and think and feel better, nasal, slow, easy, even breathing, like at chill out state, five or six breaths a minute, is awesome. It's awesome for calming our state, managing stress, all yeah. the things that we mostly live in. So breath is super important and that builds into ice. And the cold exposure piece is a chicken and a brat thing because many people a lot of women will come to me and say i have my period i can't go in and i'm like okay who said uh also like if your religion uh if your culture says don't go in cold you know it's very prevalent um chinese japanese culture and um, ayurvedic culture like being cold that it's all cool that's all cool like intuition is part of that and also your belief system is part of that so you should do what's right for you and i can't find much research on having any issues going in the cold while you have your period mm. Um, for me, it makes me feel better. I like to train on my period. I like to like, all, it's all fine. And also some women have like a day one of their cycle. That's like, everybody leave me alone and my bleed is heavy and I just don't want to do those things. And yeah. that's fine too. But cold water is, is beautiful. And men, you know, get in the cold. Men tend to have, let's just quickly talk about the differences. Men tend to have the propensity to go into cold every day with um, easier, safer, better outcomes. And I don't think women need to be doing it every day, especially if you have dysregulated hormones, because you can dysregulate them even more. And so, look, four times a week is fine. If you're ice bathing four times a week, rock on. If you're like menopausal and you're getting in an ice river behind your house every day, awesome. Like, okay, no, I'm not going to tell you not to. If you feel great and you feel like your lab tests are coming back fine. But I've dysregulated my hormones and, and blood tested throughout a, a long-term day-to-day um, ice plunge thing where I can see, okay, this isn't good for me. And I do see that. I also am not a doctor. Again, I will say that, but like we, what we've seen is, you know, people will ask about Ray nose. People will ask about, um, which is a circulatory, uh, kind of dysfunction. Uh, people where your fingers and your toes like turn blue, your circulation isn't good. People ask about autoimmune conditions. Western doctors will say, don't go in the cold. Um, we've seen the polar opposite of that. I say weave because like I always speak to the community of people who are guiding and, and breath and cold, cold exposure. 
um, that it's really helpful for immune boosting. Thank you, Wim Hof, who's like sort of yeah. proliferated that, you know, uh, certainly wasn't the first person to breathe and <laughs> do ice, but like, thank goodness for Wim. Uh, yeah. I've studied with Casper Vandermeulen, who was one of his right-hand men for many, many years and um, just really, you know, bringing it to the forefront of popularity. And those guys have really helped out in that, in that regard. But breathing in cold can regulate immune system, can help you sleep better, mm. can do so many things in the body that are just really beautiful. And the biggest thing I see is sort of mental toughness and um, the, the thing going all the way back with females specifically, but both men and women, the confidence boost that comes with doing three minutes in cold water. Mm. And just to be clear, like cold shower is great, cryotherapy great, cold water immersion will always um, work more quickly to lower your body temperature to, to really give you the effects and 10x in the research getting yourself into a body of cold water up to the neck that's what we want cold showers are a great way to start cryotherapy fine in la when i lived there it was very expensive and so i was like i'm just gonna fill up my bathtub and go get ten dollars of ice and yeah, do yeah. the thing and and yeah like mental toughness and and realizing our capacity mm-hmm. and how, what we can actually do we're actually way stronger than we give ourselves credit for and we do that by learning how to breathe in the cold, right? That's what Wim does in his specific yeah. style. That's what I teach a, a number of different styles, you know, in, in my Sherpa training. And for me, I do a lot of down-regulated breathing in the water because I'm trying to adapt and, and get my body to understand how to be calm yeah. into stress. And um, yeah, nasal breathing can help with that. We've got a great guy here, Tony Riddle. I don't know if you've heard of him, the natural lifestyle. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I've known him for, for a few years. And I actually... I was watching him do this before I ever heard about Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's a great one for anyone listening in the UK. Mm. Um, doing cold water. He's been doing cold water immersions for years and breath work and yeah. teaching his kids while they homeschool and travel around the world and all of this stuff. So um, I think that's such a beautiful note to end on, just kind of mm. knowing our power as women. Yeah. Understanding that we can push through our comfort zones and achieve greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so grateful to you. Before we end, I always do a little quick fire round all about you. Great. Um, so I always start with the first question, which is wellness is? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not the first person to say that, but that it is everything. It is more important than money. It is more important. I want to say it's more important than time, right? Time would be like the thing that is the most valuable resource that we have. But if we have wellness, we have more time. So true. Yeah. I I feel like I know what your answer is going to be to this one now, but number one health hack above all else that everyone should be doing. Breathing into better. Yeah. Breathing the right way for your body. Um, What have been the best lessons for you that only came with age? Uh, people talk a lot about keep going and keep going is a great philosophy in some way. Uh, it's like layer number one. And I think I did a lot of keep going, like being on the move. My nickname as a kid was hurricane still is on my (laughs) license plate now. Um, that my dad gave me, it was just like going, going, going. Um, there's, there's a little bit of like a differential there that I think I learned over time, which is more about keep doing just because you're going doesn't mean you're kind of getting anywhere. So like doing the thing, um, and then also the biggest lesson I've gotten with age is um, to, and it's still, still part of the work. It's like, stop worrying so much about what other people feel. Mm. Like it's important to have a strong opinion and knowing your opinion might be wrong. You need a growth mindset. Like you have to, you know, I have this uh, 
that's a CrossFit coach who I, I love. Uh, wrote a book called Going Right. Uh, his name's Logan Galbrick, and he owns a gym called Deuce in Los Angeles. And he talks a lot about, you know, if you wait for the divorce, if you wait for the cancer, if you wait for the thing to happen to you, like how much control do you really have of growing and and mitigating those things? Like they come at you in unexpected ways. So how do we seek out what he would call disconfirming information? How do we seek out the the challenges? How do we seek out what will grow us? in a healthy and beautiful way so that those things don't come at us later and we don't know how to tolerate or deal with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that part of that growth mindset is like, you got to care enough about humanity and people, but you can't obsess about what people are thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And and I did a lot of that when I was younger, worrying about what everyone else thought. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. And then when you, you stop that and you kind of work from a place of authenticity to yourself with compassion for others you then find that all those opportunities and the people that are meant to be in your life they just flow to you and you're able to serve the community that need what you have as well you don't have to have everyone like you or agree with what you do like one of my business mentors always says if you're selling to everyone you're selling to no one yeah um so it's like and for me it's like who am i serving to because i can't serve everyone i need to serve the people who want to benefit from the gifts i have to offer so for sure and they're typically like-minded people are attracted to us and that's right. great right it's also finding the people that can believe the polar opposite and saying tell me more about that yes because i really want to learn that's about an that. optimized brain yeah yeah, and this that that one other important piece is that I have a bracelet. I'm not wearing it right in this moment, but it's upstairs that says allow on it every year. I choose a I choose a word that I'm working on, and this year the word is allow, mm-hmm. because I am a, I have been known to be and have been for a very long time a forcer. I've gotten a lot of amazing, incredible, beautiful things. I'm so grateful for in my life by forcing the shit out of situations to make them happen. Yeah, you and I are very similar. And that's like <laughs> not in my nature that my truest right. nature and the way that I feel less stress is like Surrender. actually just allowing and surrendering. Like that's the big lesson from cold. Yeah. You learn how to like let go completely and you live in that now of those three to six to 10, whatever minutes you're doing is like allowing and you yeah. have to, we have to allow the universe to, to let the things show up. So learn that faster. Fail faster. Yeah, that was such a big lesson of mine. And I did a women's circle at the end of the year last year. And I said, the gift I'm going to give you is the word surrender. Take that with you for your word for 2022. And I've got a a print in my office at home that says, um, joy, ease, surrender. Because for me, the surrender is like my nature is push, keep going. Because that was... I guess based off like growing up with an illness and like I've got to yeah. I've got to be as good as everyone else I've got to be normal like keep pushing keep do- you know and then all these years like I have to get into remission I have and it was like no okay just surrender <laughs> surrender you yeah know, and this is it, not about giving up we always have to be clear it's not about giving up this no. is not at all it is just about like letting go and like letting what's coming and be a lesson for you yeah like, like what- set the intention for what you what you desire but then surrender to letting it come to you yeah yeah amazing so the last one is something people often get wrong about you and I ask this because people often get wrong about me that I'm not fun like they'll think I'm not fun because I'm into like wellness and I can't be fun then people are at parties with me and they're like you're really fun (laughs) people get wrong about me so listen a lot of the business I I work in is like warrior woman mode and that's my handle and I'll be at conferences people who don't even know my name will be like yelling down a hallway warrior woman mode (laughs) and I love that because we should feel what that feels like feel into that level of like confidence and capacity as females um I think people think I'm super 
I mean, I am pretty alpha in my, in my work life because I'm coaching and I'm telling people what to do a lot. I think people think that I'm like, uh, I can be intense. And I think that they think that that's sort of like the color that I actually always have mm. and only have. And of course we're also multidimensional beings, but, um, I am, there is a quality of softness to me. I love a good rom-com. I'm a hopeless romantic. I wear my heart on my sleeve with my partner, Freddie. Um, every so often he'll just be like, oh, I see you. Uh, and it's just really like, it's a beautiful thing you get to have with a partner or person in your life. Um, you know, it's a story for another day, but he was like my biohacking bestie and my best friend. So he's seen all sides of me as you do with your best friend. And I'd like to think many sides of him I've seen as well. And so that, that sort of proliferated a really beautiful relationship because he gets to see like the softer bits and that's, um, that's important, you know? So I think people kind of think I'm a bit, can be a bit stoic or like women have said to me the first few months we worked together, you felt really intimidating. Yeah. And I, I'm so for people. I'm so for women. Yeah. I want to be like connected and honest and, and attached to females in so many ways yeah. that just feel like love. And I think some sometimes that's, you know, the warrior woman mode thing and the breath in the cold is like badassery. And I'm a badass, but I have all those other tender parts that I want people to get to know. Oh, I feel like I could talk to you for like another three hours. <laughs> and I know we've got to wrap up. And this was amazing. So um, we'll put everything we've spoken about, um, I'll put in the show notes, but you have mentioned your handle a few times, warrior woman mode. Where mm -hmm. else can people find you? Yeah, they can find me. Warriorwomanmode.com is one website. And then the, all of the cold and breath exposure. I do, I work in spaces. People will have me come do cold and breath through um, plant medicine ceremonies, which is really interesting. And uh, mm -hmm. so that's, that's yeah. out there as well. It's a little bit less public because of legalities. I certainly Especially don't. Um, I'm not involved specifically with bringing any medicine anywhere except for the medicine of breath and cold exposure. But I, um, I do all of those and then I have the instructor training and that's all Sherpa breath and cold S H E R P A breath and cold.com. Uh, and yeah, they can dig into me there. Cool. thank you so much you're welcome thanks for having me it's so nice to sit with you in person yeah, it's really amazing to sit with you in person you are beautiful energy that warrior and that soft energy that i have picked up in all of those facets of you so thank you yeah wonderful i hope you enjoyed this episode of reconditioned i am honestly so grateful to each and every person that tunes in Thank you also for taking responsibility for your own well-being. You should know that just by choosing to listen to podcasts like this that further your well-being, you're moving more deeply into abundance consciousness. Now, don't forget, I have a bunch of free resources over at laurenvacneen.co.uk, as well as every recommendation you could ever need in regards to your well-being on the LV Recommends page, all categorized for your ease. Thank you also to our sponsors. These episodes would not be possible without them, so make sure to check them out and get some pretty awesome discounts on the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get updated each time a new one is released. Thank you. I appreciate you. Reconditioned is proud to be working with Women for Women International, a charity that supports women survivors of war in eight war-torn countries around the world. You can help a woman survivor of war transform her life today by visiting womenforwomen.org.uk forward slash donate.